Hello, and welcome back to The Director's Cut, brought to you by the Directors Guild of America, where each episode we bring you a brand new interview with one of the film industry's top directors, conducted by one of their peers. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Google Play Music, iTunes, Stitcher, or on our SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash the director's cut. And if you're enjoying the director's cut, please take a moment to like, share, or comment. We love hearing your feedback. This episode takes us behind the scenes of director Charlie McDowell's new film, The Discovery, starring Jason Siegel, Rooney Mara, and Robert Redford. Mr. Redford plays Dr. Thomas Harbour, who has discovered scientific proof of an afterlife. This revelation turns the world into a bleak place where countless people have chosen suicide in order to reset their lives, while others have turned to the doctor's ongoing experiments to find meaning in existence. When Dr. Harbour's son Will shows up at his isolated compound along with a mysterious woman, all three must figure out whether they can find peace in this life or in the afterlife. In addition to the discovery, Mr. McDowell's credits include the feature film The One I Love and episodes of the television series Silicon Valley and Dear White People. After a recent screening of the film at the DGA Theater in Los Angeles, Mr. McDowell spoke with fellow director Zal Batman-Glitch about making the discovery. During their conversation, Mr. McDowell explains how the look and feel of the Rhode Island mansion he selected as a location greatly influenced the story, how he achieved one of the film's most striking shots by strapping a GoPro to his head and walking around a hospital, and how the theme of second chances often presents itself in his projects. Hey guys. Are you going to say how we know each other? Yeah, Charlie and I met 12 years ago at the AFI. We were, Charlie was 21 and I was 23 and we were the youngest people in our grad school and we were terrified so we stuck together. (laughs) Yeah, day one. Day one. And then I almost got kicked out of school on day two. (laughs) But then you called your mom who's in the movie. She is. And what was her advice? I don't know. Did Did, didn't you didn't you tell her that you're like, oh, I'm friends with this kid who almost got kicked out, and she's like, oh, but he seems like a nice guy. Isn't that a story? I don't know. Oh. Maybe that's in your head. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Everyone's like, we don't care. Um, okay, so let's talk about this movie for a second. I watched it. Um, I watched it. Uh, I drove up to Sundance to see it on the big screen. Braved two snowstorms and got there three minutes before it started. And I was really into it. And then seeing it again last night on Netflix, I was into it even more the second time. It was it really blew my mind. But one of the things that stuck out with me for me was the cinematography is so beautiful, and the way that you put together the shots and uh, the way that they're edited. I don't know. There was just some. There was a really beautiful rhythm. And I was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about collaborating with the different. Like yeah. with your editor and with your DP and with the actors, because there was this one shot when Bruni Isla is getting is drowned or is drowning, and he pulls her out, and you do sort of two singles and a master in one move. Mm. Sterla doing that. Do you know what I'm talking? Yeah, about? yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that specifically was um, the water was 42 degrees. Wow. Uh, the act, we were all in wetsuits um for 
12 hours. Literally didn't take our wetsuits off. The actors were in wetsuits and had their clothes on top. So when we shot that scene, it was like we literally were, you know, obviously trying to get the performance and the feeling and the vibe of it. But it was also it was so fucking cold that it was so jarring to even like be there and be in the scene. And for them, it like really shook them in a really interesting way, because I think that you can see like Jason's almost like bug eyed because he's like he's actually been he's in shock, literally. Um, and, and that's what the character is sort of supposed to be feeling. So that was, um, I, I mean, I, I give Sterla the credit for that because he's a sort of master of, I don't know if you guys have seen this film, Victoria, that he did. Um, that's a single shot uh, film that he that he shot. Yeah, and it's not like a fake single shot movie. It's, it's an actual two-hour single shot. Yeah, and they shot it. Uh, they made the movie three times, and they used the third take. And it, it, he he's just a master of of uh, of camera movement and where to sort of capture these moments and how close to be to characters and and how far away to be to characters and he he's just um he, he just has such a special sort of sense um, of that and so it was mostly us um, you know trying to get that because you know they jump in the water then they'd have to get out and like change their clothes the and shot all that. also of Rooney going in in the pink and the white hair yeah so that sky so that was water. the first that shot of like on her back following her out that was the first image that I got from the film and it's actually on the cover of my lookbook and it's a guy I remember seeing yeah it's literally that's why I'm the like, same I don't know image. if you should give all the credit well, to the, I just yeah. mean the credit in terms of, like you're saying like it was like a master and then a single like in terms of like how to find the characters when and where um, that was a lot of that wasn't so planned that was more like okay let's just capture this in the moment um, and, and do what we can but uh, but yeah I mean it was a special collaboration it for me like I, I'm a believer in, in and I don't know Zal, I'm sure you're similar and, and just you kind of make you make your stuff in pre-production um, and for me at least it was I wanted to have a plan of how to, how we were going to shoot everything and then when we got on set and saw how the actors were sort of bringing it to life for the blocking then we would obviously adapt and, and kind of throw out what we had planned but for the most part we knew how we wanted this movie to look and feel um, and especially the camera moves, which which I wanted to be, you know, very steady and specific as to when the camera's moving um, or the angle in which we're we're shooting a character, and 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 all of it, you know, for me was sort of feeding into this. Like you said, watching it a second time, there's a different feeling to it once you sort of understand and know the place that we got to at the end. I mean, I think that's a really big high point with the Netflix experience is that you can easily like any of you who are interested to do so can go and watch it a second time pretty easily. Yeah, that's a, I mean, in, in teaming up with Netflix, that was a big part of the, and, and also the outreach of like, it's so interesting. We talked about like looking on Twitter and you, you know, you look up the movie and, and it's like, and now on Twitter there's this translate button so you can see, but it's like, it is a global thing. And, and what's so cool for me with this movie is like, it's a movie that, I hope eyeballs from all different cultures and different ideas on life and 
religion and science and the afterlife. Like uh, for me, it's so interesting that so many different types of people are watching this film, yeah. and it's not just and a instant, small little in, indie release in the U.S. Yeah, it's a huge. It's a very different. Like this is the same kind of movie. It would play at Sundance and then have a small platform release. But in this situation, it has a global release instantaneously. I'm just wondering from that experience, I'm going to ask you a two-part question. The first part is, what's something that in that instant where like you've, I equate that the moment it goes live on Netflix, like you've dug out all these like rivulets in the mud, like, like a sandcastle type thing, you know? And then all of a sudden, the water hits it instantaneously. And yeah. I'm wondering... What is something that you think really worked that you maybe didn't know if it would work or not, but then when you saw it on a global sense, you're like, wow, this really works for my film. And then what's something after you saw the water hit the thing that you would do differently? Well, I don't know if I'd do it differently. Well, he, I mean, for better or for worse, I really made the movie I set out to make. Um, and... and this movie, the idea I think people find, everyone sort of globally finds interesting. And then it's one of these situations where the execution is so many people have different ideas of what they want to see. So a lot of... Um, where they start fantasizing. Yeah, of like where they want it to go. A lot of people wanted to go more into religion. And, and that was something that we explored in the scripting process and then pulled away from because I didn't feel like that was the story that I wanted to tell and I only had X amount of pages of real estate to develop these characters and this love story. So um, for me, I, I think the what what just what I hoped and, and what seemed to happen just from kind of, you know, looking through social media is for a lot of people is that it it really made them it, it shook them and it made them think. Um, and it made them have conversations with people afterwards and they thought about the film for days afterwards. And that, that to me is the reason for making this. I, I have less of an interest in specifically preaching my beliefs um, for the audience. And for me, the hope is, is that the audience, you know, each person sort of has a different experience depending on the makeup of who they are. Um, so for me, like touching people in, in a way that made them um, want to have conversation and or, or go online and sort of start having conversations with other people. Um, that became very apparent through the Netflix of it all because it reaches so many people. Um, and, then, and because it's an internet savvy crowd that it reaches. Yeah. So then the, like going ex an extension to Twitter or Facebook or Instagram is right. a, na a natural thing. Yeah. Um, and then do differently. I, I don't know if I would. I mean, you know, I was talking about like specifics, like yeah. something that, uh, you know, like when you hit the global platform, like for me, I'll tell you a scene, the thing that when you first see the parallel dimension in the, that, that's spooky. That's stayed with me. What is that yeah. process? What, what is that? Like on how we shot that? Yeah. I mean, that, I think that was an incredibly successful well, part of the What's funny is if, if you take away all the elements, it's like, it's so big. So it was me with a GoPro on my head. And it's me like going to the... I like that it's you. Well, it was uh, half Sterla, half me. So like um, Sterla was the driving part because I couldn't drive a stick shift. <laughs> and so he was driving the car. And then I went into the hospital because we didn't have permits for that day because we didn't want to take up shooting time. So we went at like 11 o'clock at night and I just started walking around the hospital. 
And then and then we had to get the one scene with the actress when we were shooting there. But that was just GoPro on the head. Um, and then we, we did research on and, and found these really interesting... Um, this visual artist made these videos of like people describing their dreams. And he did this like crazy uh, kind of art installation thing. And, and it had all these like flickering images and images kind of popped in and came out. And it was beautiful, but also sort of haunting. And, and I think we found inspiration from that. Um, but it, but once you take away the elements, it's very rinky-dink, you know. But it, but that's in a what, cool way. That's what you know. It's one of those things that in, in most films that deal with these kind of things, you would never see it. It would be talked about and never seen. And I thought it was really awesome that you showed it, and I thought it really worked. Um, let's talk about the OA. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are so I I made this thing that's on Netflix too. It's called the OA and we don't we're very close friends but we don't share scripts that's not our style to share scripts or cuts so we actually had no idea that our two works would be so similar in theme i mean we both yeah. made things about uh the the idea that consciousness goes to a parallel place it's kind of weird that that happens it's really weird and they both ended I mean, up it's on still, Netflix. so i saw just for the audience so we would so obviously we've been working on these projects for a while and so we'd get like little hints just from like having breakfast of like okay you know something about the afterlife oh wait yours has to do with the afterlife mine has to do with you know so we kind of had somewhat of an understanding um but when i so i saw the oa first because it came out before this and it my mind like exploded because <laughs> i can't even imagine because it was like I mean, there's even certain conversations that are similar. It's really interesting. Rooney and Britt have the same hair. Yeah, it, it's very bizarre. But anyway, sorry to bore you guys with it, but it's it kind of blew our minds, I think, in a way that uh, just, you know, that we were thinking about the same stuff at the same time. Well, I mean, I think that happens. I think that happens to a lot of the people part in the audience who are telling stories, too, or thinking about stories like you'll... You'll be thinking about a story, and then you'll see someone else makes it. You know, it's. I think there is that collective unconscious, and people do pull from it. Yeah. There you Maybe go. we're both dead. Maybe we're all dead. <laughs> this exactly. is an afterlife oh, screening room. Yeah. Um, talk about shooting in Rhode Island and working in that mansion, and like, how did you scout? Like, I thought the locations yeah. were great. And that fairy, one of the things that I love too is that fairy scene works really well. The first fairy scene, which of course you come back to at the end. And one of the things that's amazing about it is because it's not a process, it, it's all real, right? It's not blue screen. Yeah, yeah. The background's moving all the time. So it, it really keeps you engaged, even though they're, I, it's, it's very long when I watch it yeah. a second time, but it doesn't feel long at all. And yeah, well, new, so uh the first part of your question so the, the original title of the script was called Chillmark, and it's because we wanted to shoot on martha's vineyard in the town of Chillmark. um and I, and i think for me uh like the one i the first one i did the one i love was we built around a location so it was like going to a place in ohio right? in, in ohio and building a story around a location like we didn't even have a, a story yet or characters or anything so this had a somewhat of a similar vibe in that we had this idea of what of the afterlife was scientifically proven what would happen and we started to explore that and and what we wanted to explore and then um the next thing that came up was a setting which was um a summer town in the off season and what that looked and felt like 
Um, so it was originally Martha's Vineyard. Then we wrote the first scene of the film, the, the interview scene, and we didn't have any other characters. We just had the Thomas Harbor character. And then I gave those pages to Rooney. Rooney read them and said, uh, she really responded to it and said she wanted to be in the film. So then again, like the one I love, it's sort of like, okay, well, what do we have? Let's write to that. So for us, it was like, okay, when you have someone as talented and as great as Rooney wanting to be in your film, you better write a really good part. Um, so for us, it was sort of like, okay, let's, let's write some, a love story where the, the focal point of the love story is, is her, is, is this character. So that was sort of the process. And then, um, we couldn't shoot on Martha's Vineyard for logistical reasons. And, um, and our producer brought up, uh, Rhode Island and I went there and I just started driving around the state by myself and I bumped into this realtor and I was explaining what I wanted. It was actually originally much more like, um, like a sort of Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, like that sort of farm community vibe where it's like multiple houses on a property and everyone's sort of living together outside. Um, that was originally how we wrote it. And then, so I was describing it to this realtor and, and she says, well, I don't know of a house or houses around here like that, but there's this crazy mansion that, that's, that you should just look at. So we went over there and I looked at it and I was just obsessed with it it was like such a weird there's like a haunted house and the on like the bottom floor that like kids come to on the it's just the weirdest place there was um it's the original uh dark shadows house and then um and then another film that maybe a few of you know is uh there was a 1970s porn shot there called, called um oh i'll remember it because I keep forgetting, but I will room. But wh while we Dick were doing summary. while we were doing a color correction, we pulled it up on the big screen, and it's like beautifully shot. So I was with my DP, and I was like, there was this like beautiful dolly shot going through the pillars, and I was like, why didn't we do that? <laughs> um, but it lands on something a little different. Um, but uh, but it, it's just this like it, it's a house with character and and like, and I I think that. Justin and I sort of gravitate towards stuff like that where where locations become a sort of uh, a character in the story. Um, the one I love is definitely that, and, and this became that. So we started to kind of rewrite more specifically to that house. Just because And is it, the one I love on Netflix still? It's not anymore. Now oh, it's really? on, That's, yeah, yeah, it's on Amazon and iTunes. And, um, but yeah, I, I think for whatever reason, I think we, we, we gravitate. I, I think it's because when you when you're sort of playing in that grounded sci-fi space, it's like you're using, l you know, less of like futuristic, um, you know, big budget looking sets. And it's more about a grounded space where something is happening there. Um, so I think that that's why we gravitate towards a location becoming such a big part of our films. Yeah. I think that that's a strong suit of yours, but yeah, the, uh, in the sorry, the fairy scene. Yeah, that was, um, that was like our next scene that we wrote and it was kind of, okay, how do we explore these two characters while also exploring what's happening on, you know, what's happening in the world globally um, and, and introduce the Isla character. Um, so that was kind of our, that was our main focus. I think for many drafts was that scene. Um, and uh, yeah, we shot it in a day and it was the kind of thing where we just drive one out. day. 
Yeah, that scene was so all of that stuff was one day, and then the second day was all of the subconscious stuff that we shot in sixteen millimeter. Um, the stuff where he sees Isla when it's in the form of his subconscious. Yeah. Does anyone have a question? Yeah. Right. I'm curious too. Well, yeah. So, uh, it, just that it's it's such a specific kind of big concept. What was the inspiration um, uh, of, or, or how do we come up with that? And what's the inspiration of of, of doing this type of movie? Um, so we wrapped the one. Literally, what happened was we wrapped the one I love, um, and we're driving from Ojai to L.A., which is about an hour and a half drive. And and I literally been shooting through the night, and I was so tired. And Justin was sitting there, and he said, "I have a new idea for a movie." And I was like, "Oh God, can't we just like take a nap or something?" Um, and he uh, he just pitched me the what if what if the afterlife was scientifically proven? What would that mean? Um, what would we as humans do? How would we react? So we started to kind of talk about it on in this big global sense, and this idea of, of suicide came up. Um, and and not this idea of like suicidal people killing themselves, but the idea of what if death didn't mean the same thing that it means to us now? What if what if you're you're just living somewhere else? You're going to a new plane and you're living in a different place. Is that considered death anymore? Um, and so th this idea of and we especially see it in today's world of like. You can't pay your mortgage. Uh, you ha went through a horrible breakup. Whatever it is, we've all had. We've all muttered the words, "I want to kill myself." What if it became this? You know, this sort of global thing of, well, what if I did just hit that reset button and go to a different place? W would I do it? Um, that became really interesting to me. I, I personally don't think I ever would or believe that our society right now would go to that place. But I think we're, we're sort of close enough that it became really interesting to explore to me. Um, so uh, for me, it was, it was about taking that idea, um, which could be a really big, massive, you know, Christopher Nolan version of it, um, wh which, which would be a great version of it, uh, but not a version that I would be able to make. Um, and so we, we kind of contained it and, and grounded it in, uh, in character. And, um, and so for me, it became about this love story, became about a father-son story. And then this big global idea was sort of the backdrop um, to this world. But, uh, but, and, and later, I didn't know this, but Justin told me that he came up with the idea um, because he was watching a Stanley Kubrick documentary where Kubrick said... Um, that no matter what, whenever he sees a, a, a film, I'm going to butcher this a little bit, but whenever he sees a, a film where there's like ghosts or anything sort of paranormal, and and as even if it's a terrifying film, it never scares him because it's saying that there's something after this life, there's something more, and he found that incredible and amazing, um, and I think that that just got Justin's head spinning of okay, well, what if that was proven? What if of, of going somewhere else was proven? Um, so yeah, that's that's how it happened. What about you, Zal? I'm curious about the OA. this. Yeah, the same kind of thing for the OA. I want I have one more question <laughs> for you. Um, both your movies, the one I love, which by the way, you guys should 
see if you haven't seen because I think it's a brilliant movie. And especially because it was made for like $100,000. It's a brilliant movie. And both of these movies are about second chances and, you know, pivotal moments and the idea of something being love, losing love, you know, having love and losing love. Did you know that both these movies, I mean, I, at least with my work, I look back and I'm like, whoa, these themes are all the same, but I didn't realize it at the time. Do you yeah. realize that you're doing that? Not is that really. I mean, you know, I think you, I think you write what you feel. I, I don't know if it's as much you, I don't know if I write what I know. I think it's more I write what I'm just feeling. Um, and people, people are always surprised that with the one I love after seeing it, that, that I hadn't been married before. Cause it's so specific to marriage. And for me, it was just like, but I've felt all those things before. So we wrote to that. Um, and then this was, uh, yes, I, I totally agree. It's about sort of second chance, but I think in a different way, um, for me, this idea of what the afterlife is, is what if you could go back and change something, um, which, which is a version of a second chance. But for me, it was, it's, it's not what I believe, um, the afterlife is or where we go, but I, I just wanted to believe it. You know, right. it was like, that was right. like, it, and I, and I tell this story, it's so stupid, but you'll know, cause you know, she is, but there's, um, there's a moment that I remember in my life when I was seven years old and I, I had this, um, this British nanny that, that took care of me. And, and, uh, I got, I was so mad at her one day and she was dropping me off at school. And I turned around before I closed the door and, and I said, um, I said, why don't you go back to England where you belong? And I closed the door <laughs> and it's like, it haunts me every day. I hate it so much. And she doesn't even remember it. <laughs> it doesn't even mean anything to her, but it just is like, and and I'm not saying that the, that that would be my afterlife, but it's like this these <laughs> moments in your life that that are like I mean I'm seven years old and it's like I hated myself for saying that it just upset me so much, and and I think that this idea of like you know w that we wanted to explore with the movie is what if you were Bill Murray in Groundhog Day but you didn't know you were in Groundhog Day you know and oh, so wow. it's like you're sort of you're stuck in this place going back, but you don't even realize that you're there and hopefully you're, you're doing something a little bit better the next time. Um, that, that became really, uh, interesting and, and, and also connects for us emotionally. So, yeah. Well, thank you for making movies and for making this one. It was really nice thank talking you. to you. Thanks so much, you guys. Thank you guys. Yeah. Thanks for listening to another DGA Q and A. You can check out past episodes of The Director's Cut wherever you listen to podcasts or on our website at dga.org slash podcast. Also, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please like, share, and leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. This podcast is produced by the Directors Guild of America. Music is by Dan Wally.